Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, another game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, I have Glenn Fiedler. Did I say it right? Fiedler. Fiedler. There we go. How are you doing, Glenn? <laughs> I'm good, mate. How are you doing, Brandon? Good. Uh, so this is actually the part of the podcast where I introduce our guest, which is yourself, uh, to talk about yourself, where you've been, where you're at, where you're heading. Cool, man. Uh, so I'm a, a programmer, grew up programming when I was around 10 years old. Uh, and uh, I'm lucky enough in a 20 year career to work, uh, work on Mercenaries 2, uh, God of War, Titanfall, and a little bit of my codes in Apex Legends. So really stoked at the end of a 20 year career to have worked on some amazing games and some awesome teams. And now I'm a CEO of a startup called Network Next. And we fix bad network performance for multiplayer games. Awesome. So uh, this is an exciting episode for me because multiplayer has always been kind of like, uh, I know it's there. I know it exists. You guys are a whole separate team in the building. I got flies around me in my <laughs> video. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. What are you uh, doing to me? <laughs> but, uh, I, just, I had a shower before, I, before this interview, my friend. This is crazy. <laughs> All right, yeah, go it, ahead, Brendan. This, you know how game devs are. Uh, we're always yeah, it's true. a little messy. It's true. I've, I've been there. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the biggest subjects in mystery, at least, you know, I, I've always, I've, I've done multiplayer maps I'm from the environment side. Yep. But I've mostly been on the single player team. Uh, yeah. Uh, primarily. So you, your, your side of the building has always been a mystery to me when it comes to networking, how you guys make that run. Uh, yeah. It's interesting and if not more relevant today than ever. Um, yeah. So for people who are quite new to this, can you explain not the whole infrastructure, but like, you yeah. know, the basic idea of how multiplayer yeah. networking works? So I'll, I'll give you a bit of context around it. So the very first time I saw it when I, I was working at Irrational Games and uh, there was a senior programmer and I was only like 21, 22 at the time. And it broke that dude. Like the guy got broken trying to do it. Like he 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 built a little fort in the meeting room and moved his computer there. And a week later, he 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 was let go. Like the dude was just broken by trying to multiplay, uh, yeah. trying to network a game. And I realized like this is so hard that it yeah. breaks people. Um, so then the other thing I think is really important to sort of circle around. Like if you're a graphics programmer, you're kind of like you're, you're the dude who plays guitar. 
And that's cool, right? Like guitar is awesome and you get to shred, right? But network programmers are more like accordion players. There's not a lot of us and it's a bit dorky. So, um, but the thing I want to say about it is unlike a graphics programmer where you show off like a really cool shader or effects or rendering or whatever, like Carmack being the prototypical sort of person people think of, um, when you're a multiplayer programmer, you have to be you have to be amazed by making something seamless across distance, making it look like literally nothing's happening. Right. So as a network programmer, the only time anyone notices anything that you do is when something went wrong. Yeah. That's hard to deal with. But that's actually really like I actually find that really appealing. The idea of creating a honestly like a, an illusion of shared interactivity in a, in a virtual space that doesn't exist. And you're not really there with the other person in the same space, but making it real through code and making it look seamless. It, it, it's almost like people who play um, like Metal Gear Solid. When you play a stealth game and you do it right, nothing happens. Right. <laughs> if you think about it, like you're sneaking past a guy and he doesn't notice you, right? Um, and network programming is a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. So how much does this kind of roll back to the content team? Because I, you know, I, I think I saw mm-hmm. a short talk in the Valorant and how they uh, would have to kind of cheat on their sides to make up mm-hmm. the lag that happens between, you know, people connecting to the data server or whatnot. Like how much of that back and forth happens where it's not completely to the programmers, but comes back to at least the design side of things to, to kind of make it seem seamless. So I've got, I've got a really good point of view on this because I've seen it. I've seen multiplayer on dysfunctional teams or teams that are that honestly really should be making single player games, right? So the so the very first thing is is that if you're a studio trying to make a multiplayer game, the right way to do it is full commit, and I, I mean full commit like there's no single player. Single player is multiplayer. It just happens to have a server running in the background on the same machine. So the the worst. The worst teams working on multiplayer that I've seen and I've worked on have been the ones where it's kind of like, it's just that guy's job. That guy, he'll network it. He'll network the game code and there won't be uh, there won't be any kind of flex on the design or the engineering or the game code side. That's when it gets really bad. When it's like, here's a game, we've done it, it's great, now you network it. That never works. What does work is when everybody gets together from design, art, uh, rendering, every programmer is aware of multiplayer and it's it's literally the target and single player is the afterthought. And, and I would say that the best that I've ever seen was when I was working with the ex-Infinity uh, Ward guys on Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2. That is how a multiplayer game is made. And the third game they made was Apex Legends, which is a billion dollar franchise. And this is after Call of Duty. So mm-hmm. I got to work with the absolute top people. And that's the key. Everybody makes multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're happy about that because I think there was, a, <laughs> there was a phase where a lot of single player were being phased out. And like, I think it was like a dawn of multiplayer having to be uh, there for, for pitching projects, investment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, like, it's a big component. Oh, and that's, of, that's such a bad games. idea because yeah. you got to be all in. And if you make this... And it was back at the era of the tactile multiplayer, right? Yes, exactly. And 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 it's just the it's the fans deserve better, right? Definitely. 
I think we, we. What's funny is that maybe we saw some success with that kind of because I, I worked all the way in Bioshock too, and people forget that we had a tacked on multiplayer, mm-hmm. and rightfully so because we were right in the middle of that. And I, I network, um, dude. I network God of War. There now, you go. If you if you want to give me a ten, if you want to create a top ten list of games that never, ever, yeah, yeah. ever should have multiplayer in them, I put God of War at number one. There was a lot of, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and God of War is a deeply single-player story-driven Very, yeah. narrative team. And then when you take a team that wants to tell a story, right, and it's about graphical fidelity and storytelling, um, there's no way to make a compelling single-player experience and to make a really compelling top-tier emergent gameplay-based multiplayer game unless you make them literally two games. Separate teams, yeah. Separate, you- separate teams, I've even I've even heard of people literally I've heard of games I won't name names where it's literally one team in the main menu switch is executable it's, it's right. literally a different yeah. game whether you pick single player or multiplayer in the main menu right it's a disaster on both yeah. sides because yeah. it is a lot of times set up in that way it's like here's mm-hmm. development team A development team B sometimes you got to you know trade content or information but that's mm-hmm. it you mm-hmm. go back to your corners and it is very yeah. separate um yeah which kind of hurts the, you know the the, the the best the best results is when the, the studio are all in on creating the best experience that that is that is fundamentally a multiplayer first experience and and great examples of that league of legends yeah right valorant uh i would say apex legends is is you know in titanfall titanfall i think is unique let me talk a little bit about titanfall and titanfall 2 especially titanfall 2 has one of the best single player stories and in and, and its generation was very well known for that and a really good multiplayer that was sort of like a prototype of, of what was coming with Apex Legends. And I want to tell you a secret about the multiplayer for Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2. Here we go. It was actually a multiplayer game. Oh, nice. When you were playing single player, everything that was networked. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's done. So like for the last 10 years... Or even more, like when it comes to networking and multiplayer, how has it changed aside from the uh, creation of it, but like yeah. more of like the back end stuff, like has it increased? Obviously, has uh, has it gotten more efficient in other ways where it, it fits within a budget better than before? Can you kind of share more information about that? I, I think the big I think the big change is the transition from peer to peer games okay. to client server games that have monetization and live service games as, as the business model behind it. And also free to play. You see a lot of really large free to play games where the real, the real challenge here is if I want to paraphrase, what do you have to do to make a multiplayer game? You have to have create something absolutely compelling so that everyone keeps playing it. And everyone's, I mean, Apex Legends is a great example of this, right? Like massive player counts. They host, they play tens of millions of dollars for server hosting every month. And then they monetize that through how they monetize with their free-to-play business model. It's really a question of how do you make money? Well, how do you pay the server hosting bill and make money and offset all the development costs? So it's it's massive business now. And that's not that's not something you could ever really do with a little free to, you know, like a, a peer-to-peer game. Because you could never have the the deep progression and metagame that you would have from secure, like secure progress, right? like your, your mission progress, your ranking and all that, you can't secure that in a peer-to-peer game. So 
Uh, League of Legends is another good example. A, a dedicated server-based game from day one. Massive game today, but it could not have been implemented as a peer-to-peer game. So back in sort of 2008 to 2012, it was sort of people were scared of the server hosting costs and it was all peer-to-peer to avoid that cost. But then the few games that picked dedicated servers at that time, and Timefall 1 was one of them, um, those games actually ended up ultimately coming out ahead, Apex Legends being a client server game with a tens of millions of dollars of servers every month, but raking in billions of dollars every year. That's the big change. And you have to now have a plan when you make a multiplayer game. How am I going to pay for the servers? Because you've got to have them. So we hear the last... 20 years of, uh and i feel like a lot of the single player thankfully haven't been gone but they kind of move in more to the uh the uh the indie space right a yeah. lot of indie games are, are more story driven narrative driven of course there's like among us who does networking of course but mm-hmm. i feel like that's that that four, four that, guys that, is another good one yeah that's a another lot of really big one yeah yeah um but there, you know, the 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 love for single player is still there. I I still yeah. enjoy like a good two hour narrative game, um, and that has just kind of transitioned to that space. With networking nowadays being, I would say the most focused in, in terms of every pitch project that that's kind of been put out there is like what is the, yeah. uh, you know, the ability to kind of grow from the initial sale or you know from the very start be a free to play, right? Uh, I guess my question is. There's a lot of talks on top of that, right? We're in this age, which felt like the last two years with, and a lot of people are going to be turned off at this. Every time I mention blockchain or NFT and all this stuff, oh. right? it's, it's scary. Yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm just asking about it, right? But there is something I that came out. I hate blockchain, man. <laughs> I all right. fucking hate it. I want to hear your take passion. on it. That's, that's Jesus fucking, I want I'm here everyone to learn. who does blockchain to just die. <laughs> okay. Get out of our games. That's what I'm anyway. hearing from game developers. Yeah. And I'm actually hearing a lot from gamers. So I think the business model is. I think yeah. the business model is shit. I think the technology behind it is shit. Okay. The hardest problem in the world. I mean, think about all the metaverse stuff, right? Yeah. Pe- these people, they're, they're like, we're going to do metaverse with the blockchain, Web three, right? Yeah. And the hardest fucking problem they can think of in that whole metaverse space is how do I work out who owns what pair of shoes? Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not the hard fucking problem, mate. Yeah, the yeah, hard yeah. problem is creating a high fidelity interactive experience over distance over an internet that just isn't designed to do that. Right. I mean, it, it just makes me want to throw up, frankly. I'm sorry. All I've right. got very, very strong opinions here, but let's do um, this. <laughs> oh, right. You're probably, God, all right. you're probably the best one for, to talk to right? When it comes to the metaverse, to me, it found, it sounds at least apart from the blockchain and NFT, very advantageous to your network programmers out there, right? Online oh. all the time, interactive. So what, what do you feel about that idea? You know, we're well, far I, from it, but I like, want to separate the idea of NFT, blockchain, and Web three. Yeah, this is separate. from the so idea. Metaverse of, first. Uh, let's let's, let's define. Let's define the metaverse yeah. as I. I personally think that I would be shocked, shocked in ten years if there's not multiple online virtual spaces of high fidelity where people spend a lot of time, and I mean ordinary people. And I would also be shocked if there's not also an overlay world that I can access via AR. So I see, I see it two things. I see VR going into what I would call, let's call metaverse like the immersive experience that you go into right. that is like a full screen game. Like it's, it's a full experience game. And then we'll take AR and say that's going to create overlay world, which is sort of like 
people to distance with you in the same physical space that you're at. I think those two things will be real. Where I disagree with everything else is that I don't think that they need the world's slowest distributed linked list in order to work. Yeah. It sounds like a tall task, yeah. Yeah. I think the hard part is actually networking that experience over distance and the upgrading and the changing of the internet in order to create a high fidelity network experience where most of the time we can't even have a good quality Zoom call people around the world. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think the blockchain people are a solution in search of a problem, personally. Mm-hmm. And a lot, obviously there's a lot of fraud and scams in that space, which just makes me absolutely hate it. So of course. And don't get me started on NFTs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had like, uh, we do this we round We'll be here I... all fucking day if I start <laughs> ragging on NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have yet to... I was just talking to someone about this. And as an artist, right? Of course, artists... Uh, I have friends that are going into it as sellers and obviously yeah. sellers have an incentive, right? But yeah, like, I you... still don't know these people who buy these things. Have you looked at these fucking monkey heads that people have on this Twitter? No, yeah. Terrible. I know, right? Come on. I don't understand it yet. It's, just, uh, it's bullshit. It's yeah. bullshit. Here, you can understand it very easily. It's <laughs> bullshit. Good. Okay? All right. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my hot take. Technically, right. business model wise, it's, it's all a scam. Mm-hmm. And we won't be talking about it in five years. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll keep you to that. I will ask you the one thing, though. Uh, you know, Dice just came and that became like basically everything about that. But some there were some talks about when it comes to networking, decentralized mm-hmm. networking. No. Is, this, is this bullshit? Oh, my too? God. All right. Talk no, this, to me about this, this. See, this is the thing. is As a network programmer, I am uniquely qualified because I've to talk about this stuff and be deeply cynical because... I spent my early career working on distributed programming across trustless peer-to-peer systems. Yeah. And the worst experiences I've ever had was when I would network games peer-to-peer and hit all these trust issues. And, and believe me, like blockchain is not the solution for real-time gaming. Like mm-hmm. you, can't even, uh, you can't even buy a coffee with Bitcoin because it's too fucking slow. Right. So whoever had the bright idea to do networking through that is a great A fucking moron. <laughs> right um so it's it's utterly useless for for gaming and networking in any sense and you heard it here first the metaverse will be powered on client server architectures with dedicated servers running in a data center the metaverse will be centralized mm-hmm. that's it i i agree man i think yeah. uh you know I, I i my first introduction like most was counter-strike right and yeah. that was run on client server base. Top network model. Very it, it, good. It is, it is actually like, did you know that, that all the Call of Duty guys took the Quake engine for when they're working on Call of Duty, the same lineage as Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. And then the Counter-Strike engine became Source, which was Valve's network engine. Right. Titanfall 1 was built on Source. Yeah. I, Apex, I know that Legends, it, like Apex Legends is actually derived with heavy modifications from myself and a lot of the other programmers there yeah. on the second iteration of the counter-strike source code this is the right way to network games okay so it was pro- yeah because there was a weird period and i guess during call of duty where it went peer-to-peer or something and we're, oh, we're stuck I in those rooms did, forever I think they, did when player, no they did player hosted servers yeah there was a transition period where it was like we're not peer-to-peer so peer-to-peer is like when every player is communicating to everybody else i see and that and that doesn't work because your bandwidth scales the square of the number of players total yeah. bandwidth yeah. Right, and upload bandwidth from you is much much more limited compared to what you can download. Mm-hmm. So that makes peer to peer really bad. 
So what Call of Duty did is they they picked one player as being the host. And now that player had to upload to everybody, but everybody else only had to send like it was a server. But then they and then they had this really hard problem because it had to pick out like who is the best player with the best connection right. to act as the server. And then if that person quit, or even if they microwave yeah. the burrito Restart. mid-game, yeah. you had to host migrate or everyone would lose. Yeah. Like everyone would yeah. be kicked out. So it's that, a terrible solution. That was my basically experience for I guess anybody that was transitioned from Counter-Strike was like, what's mm-hmm. the problem here? I thought we fixed exactly, this. Exactly, because Valve <laughs> just paid it. Valve yeah. just did the servers and just ate the cost. Well, what's even better, people can pay it too. Like individual people can yeah, pay for see, a dedicated Val- Valve's a really open company because most of the games nowadays, yeah. they, they don't even let you get the server binary. Right. No one's giving you the Apex Legends server binary to host yourself and run a tournament. They, they host it for you and you never get access to it. Now, I can understand the business reasons behind that, but there is something cool about Valve giving people the ability to run servers. And, and that's something from the early 2000s, that, that sort of openness, right? But there's no, there's no League of Legends server binary that you can get access to. Yeah. There's no is that, watch server. It, it, it's a trend. It's a trend. Okay. So is it yeah. forever gone, that, that way of working? Now it's like more for monetary or just control I think it's reasons? Mon- I think it's monetary reasons. And, and the other thing that's really interesting is that you've got ESL, which is running tournaments for Counter-Strike. And ESL is actually effectively running pro tournaments for Counter-Strike. And that they just got bought for a billion dollars. It's big money in esports. But where I think it's starting to go is that the game developer and the publisher want to run the sport, yeah. not have a third party do it. Yeah. Now, if you want to be the only person who can run the sport, don't give anyone your server binary. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't agree with it, but I, but I can understand it. What, what, what advantage and disadvantage to have a third party versus you uh, doing it yourself as a publisher? Only the well, there's a lot of work to do as a publisher Yeah, to do it. And, and you'd have to hire an entire esports team and the promotions and the teams. Yeah, it's a whole thing, the, yeah. It's a whole thing, right? But it's also where a lot of the money is. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to be the star of the game, being the person who made it. Yeah. But popular culture, I mean, obviously, like we're not. The popular culture has decided yeah. That the players of the games are the star, and that's that's fair. Like you don't you don't run around watching football on the weekend and go, "Wow, the guys who design football are really cool guys." Well, it's about here's the, the th- I will right? say this, right? I do feel like at some point there has to be an in between because when, when we watch sports, we usually watch. Yes, there's a professional caster, but also yeah. you know the ex quarterback, yeah, yeah. Uh, calling the shots, play by play. Well, there's all and there's also in American football in particular, there's this sort of reverence for the coach or you know like so there's yeah, yeah. there there is games and sports right somewhere in between movies and actual sports because there is still the idea of the author right like there is the you know like uh cory barlog from uh sony on on the new god of war yeah i mean that part like front and center this yeah. is cory's game he's the director of that game he's the um pub g pub g Brandon, right? right? The guy, right. the guy behind it, is Brandon. Is um, it Brandon or Dean? I'm not 100. percent I can't remember. But I the dude for... with the metal head. Yeah. <laughs> player unknown. Let's call him player unknown. Yeah. But but again, like uh, you know, that at least as it started, he was very well identified with the game, right? right? Um, so it is it is sort of like you can have a Christopher Nolan of video games. Like Naughty Dog has a massive reputation, and everyone knows when they play a Naughty Dog game, they know who made it because Naughty Dog's an amazing studio. 
maybe it's more about single player narrative. It's more like a movie. And a sport yeah. is more like a real sport. A multiplayer competitive game is more like a sport. I definitely see a diversion that's that's happening where multiplayer is like you guys are, are spawning like this whole industry where yeah. you know streamers are, are playing. Of course they're playing both games, but mostly a multiplayer. Um and then you have the esports, and then single player is kind of going through like this. I feel their growth is kind of like the enterprise space where Netflix is trying to figure out interactive movies. It's like the elements that we used to have in games are are, are more in that medium now. Uh, Although we're still thriving in our space, but I feel like the growth is happening elsewhere. Um, Yeah. Taking taking those ideas. And I'll freely admit I'm, I'm 45. I'm old. And, you know, why do people watch other people playing games? Beats me. I'm forty five. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I can't. Yeah. I can't understand it. I, I I see it. I understand it. It's a thing. I, I don't have any interest in watching someone else play a game. I just won't. Just just. I, I like making games and I like programming and I'm a bit I'm a bit like that. But but intellectually, I can see that the rise of sports and players and celebrating virtuosity playing games that that's a very positive thing for the industry. Yeah, it's even more meta than that. People are watching people react to people oh my god the youtube reaction videos (laughs) yeah yeah that's a thing yeah it's a thing yeah yeah Yeah. we are old yeah so yeah i don't get it quite yet either i'm still 45 or as i like to say halfway to 90 yeah but uh i mean with this going on there seems to be an exciting road for multiplayer uh networking and all that that you guys are doing It, it feels like every game that is huge has some type of multiplayer component as we kind of guessed 10 years ago it has to be and i agree with you that the best ones are the ones that kind of have this as part of their uh game design at the very beginning right not as a separate thing yeah Uh, it's in the dna of the game from day one yeah and i always say all games lead to the matrix at some point hence the metaverse hence all these like in currency that people are trying to push and uh we might be far from it so i kind of want to ask you about the one space that um, is lacking still, and it's I feel it's infancy, is is the AR and VR space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I know Facebook is trying to do. Something oh, I think we're going to see amazing stuff from this in the next five years. Okay, I, I, so, I think it's just that it's not. It's the future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. Right. So, where yeah. do you think is the one that's making the best moves right now? You know, we got Facebook, we got Valve, kind of doing secret things behind the doors. Um, you know what i would say this like when i discuss with developers two years ago was a lot more exciting about that space after the pandemic it feels like it slowed down yeah. a bit like the next thing that seems to be exciting is the playstation vr with whatever yeah. they're announcing but it's kind I of mean, I, simmering even when vr came out you, you put a you put a vr headset on someone and show them a basic interactive experience they lose their shit yeah it's amazing technology right? it's yeah. It's amazing. Like, like my, my five-year-old uh, cousin at the time, I showed him a little cube thing I was doing with Oculus where you could stack cubes and pass them a thread. He, he lost his mind, right? It was as cool as Minecraft in his view. And, of course, it wouldn't have had the staying power. But um, Facebook has done very well with Oculus actually building on a small scale a store that's actually working. And as much as I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, frankly, as, as an organization, I've got to pay respect to that. And I've got some friends who work there at, at, at Oculus and, and they're good people, right? Um, and then Valve's doing their, you know, kind of shadowy backroom Valve thing and just, yeah. and, and good on them, right? Valve is always going to be Valve. They've got a money printing machine in the basement and they just get to do cool shit. 
right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I've heard rumors that Apple's going to bust out with some amazing AR shit very soon. So I actually think both VR and AR succeed. Um, and uh, the, the the human desire to be somewhere else or to connect over distance with someone who's far away mm-hmm. or or to inhabit a virtual space, I mean, really, that's that's a deep need. And, and, I, and that's going to happen, whether it's overlaid in AR or whether it's an all-encompassing space that you're in in VR. It's definitely going to happen. It's just going to take time. Yeah, like I, when I evaluate kind of like the, the, the major players here, I mean, I know we, I have friends over at Oculus as well, and they're talented and super awesome people. But I separate them from what they're doing right now <laughs> with their work because what I've been seeing, at least from Facebook, I know you can't say it, but I'll say it. Like I am not pleased with what they're doing with, it feels like Zoom VR. I, I, I quit yeah. Facebook last year because I don't want to be on Mark Zuckerberg's personal platform uh, when I'm communicating with my family and friends, so right. I'm, I'm, I'm anti Facebook and their whole mission, frankly. Okay. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't like the company. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, I don't like the platform. And I mean, they're the last person I would want to be in a metaverse <laughs> with yeah. in their platform. Like, no, sorry. Definitely yeah. not. I, I do feel like they're kind of veering off from, their original mission statement with the uh, Oculus, uh, I feel like they're really what what the bad things of Facebook is kind of bleeding to the Oculus team, and I, I just have not been very happy with what they've been showing uh, as as possible. I'm just not a huge fan of Mark Zuckerberg or his yeah. Or his mission well, it shows for for good reason, it. right? And yeah. that's it. Like the guy, the guy runs one of the biggest companies in the world and yeah. it's incredibly dominant in social media, but also at the same time, you can argue that it's had a net negative it's impact on society as a whole. So uh, the last uh, thing I want is to live in that virtual space. Exactly. So Sorry, I think dude. we're in agreement. I'm, it's again, I'm going to give that a, a hard <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so when I look I over don't at think Val, I'm alone here. <laughs> no, no, I think most people agree with you. I think uh, we, we share the same kind of group here where everyone's kind of quitting. But like on the Valve side, I think when Alex came out, Half-Life Alex, of course, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, finally. Like amazing experiences. It was amazing, right? I was like, yeah. Adana yeah. VR is starting right now. But silence since. Uh, I haven't seen like anything. Well, it's a content creation. Isn't it a yeah. content creation problem? Isn't it's it? always a software problem. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, firstly, you've got really expensive headsets. And then you've got headsets that have to be tethered to an incredibly expensive PC. Um, and then, and then you've got a small market and, and let's face it, like who, who aside from valve really can go out and do, I mean, maybe Epic, Epic and valve can, yeah. can go out if they choose and, and go just go like, I, I just feel like making it the world's best VR experience at this point in time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just publish it on my store exactly. that makes a billion dollars every hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, good on them. Right, like it's awesome, but for everybody else, no one's going to be betting the farm on a, 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 like an amazing VR experience. It's going to happen, and it's going to it's going to it's going to move along slowly. And suddenly, it's just going to go. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just going to go. I'm a total believer in VR and AR. Yeah, and sans think- any blockchain bullshit. <laughs> so I think we're both in agreement that Apple will once again save the game industry. I really do think it's it's going to be them kind of unleashing this potential. Apple has such a great track record of making cutting edge technology accessible with all the yes. problems of Apple as well. Yeah. But but you got to respect them for the iPhone. Yeah. No question. Yeah. 
And I feel like they are betting AR as being like the next decade for the iPhone. And it's very easy and accessible. Like the demos that they've been showing make mm-hmm. sense. And people, it can be as enabled basically the next day, right? As soon as they kind of release their next iPhone. So I'm, it, it's, a, it's a trend that I'm, I'm sadly satisfied with where mm-hmm. a lot of the game evolution that's happening seems to be happening from the tech side uh companies more so than the game side you i think know I, mean? I think we're a little bit we're, we're in that next generation console dip right now yeah you know what i mean like the ps5 has yeah. only been out for a short period of time and you've just seen the you know the early ones that come out and we're, we're just going to see like holy shit that yeah. that amazing i mean P, ps5 amazing console I mean, Sony just knocked it out. I mean, I'm ex-Sony, but like, but I was there at PS3 when it wasn't as powerful in many ways as the Xbox 360. And then the PS4 came in and just fucking wiped the floor with everybody. And yeah. now the PS5 is even better, right? Yeah. So we're, but these experiences take two years to make. Yeah, it takes a while. Right? So, so we're only going to start seeing, you know, over the next few years, we're going to see this extremely high fidelity, truly next-gen console experiences come out. Um so I think that might be part of the feeling that you're seeing because we're we're in that we're in that low cycle, and then we're gonna whoop, and we're gonna get that late stage cycle on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, and then it'll be like, oh my god, look at all this next gen stuff. Now I want to go back. We'll skip the blockchain and NFT stuff because it seems pretty clear Good. that <laughs> I think we have consensus here. We have consensus here. <laughs> uh, the main thing here is. Uh, you know, I want to talk about this metaverse thing, right? So okay. when people say the metaverse, we have a faint idea of what it is. We think the Matrix, we think Ready Player One. But we, you know, on the game dev side, we're like, this is unrealistic on every side. Yeah. You know, I've got not, a very specific idea of what the metaverse is. Let's, let's do this. All right, let's dive okay. deeper in this. I think it's an interactive networked experience across distance with multiple people in a virtual space. Mm-hmm. That's it. Listen, there you go. Now you're necessarily so trying to compare this kill each to other s- in it. Who knows? <laughs> Right. So compare this to Second Life in PlayStation yeah, Home. Be, yeah. <laughs> so what? What is the it's difference gonna, here? It's going to yeah. be actually good. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's going to be yeah. actually good. It's going to be compelling. Um, I I have a I have a very specific point of view. Like I I I actually and I could be totally wrong. I'm an engineer, right? But I I don't want to be in a massive user generated content world where everything is crap. Yeah, and, and I don't at the same to. time, I also don't really want to be in like, uh, oh, look at all the brands. Oh, wow, <laughs> it's that brand from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome brand, right? Like, I don't give a shit about either of those two things. Yeah. Um, what I really care about are high fidelity networked experiences, kind of like the demo scene, like, like high fidelity networked experiences where I can inhabit a virtual space, um, be present with someone over distance. Um, and experience things like, and I think the closest thing to this right now, although like visually, I don't think it's massively appealing today is the wave or wave VR or wave XR. They're just called wave now. And I think that virtual performances inside these, these spaces is, is probably the closest thing that we have to metaverse today. Right. But I don't believe in any of this, like you can have an item and then use it in another. I mean, that's just horseshit, Mm -hmm. right. Taking an item from one game to another. That's deeply misguided, right? But but something that's a lot more cooler than Sony Home or uh, all that sort of stuff. But you know, like I I personally think that 
if you take the typical cutting edge tech artist who in Unreal Engine 5 can create amazing stuff. Actually, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, let me let me let me see if I can I can spook a friend of mine. I'm just gonna go look it up. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I think of as the metaverse. If you look at like uh let me find him, Xanadu, right? I'll I'll post you a link. Uh, I'll post you a link in the, this is, I'd like to see this as the metaverse. I'd like to see the person who creates these videos on YouTube being empowered within Unreal Engine 5 as a non-programmer to create a network virtual world that he can perform in or people can join and mocap's involved. And I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's awfully niche right now. But I do think that over the next five years, we're going to see really high fidelity virtual performances and style inside uh, AR and VR spaces. I think that's the closest thing to metaverse right now. But long term, I just want to chat and hang out with my friends. Let me try to pull this up while we we talk a bit more. But let, I, this, I agree. This guy's the stuff. This guy makes is incredible. So this is using Unreal Tech. Uh... Yeah, and he's mocapping it and stitching it in. But imagine if instead of editing it and outputting it as a video he could be in it live and be performing with someone else. Look at this shit. It's fucking amazing. He's a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think this is one of the, like... Uh... I'll, I'll happily take this over a second life. <laughs> this is what well, I want. Well, right? I, here's the thing, right? Yeah, Ready Player One has a lot of branding, but, like, to me, it's exactly where I want to hang out. Like, I, I feel yeah. like the, 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 the vertical slice for Metaverse has already been figured out. However, like, these corporations didn't see the movie and just <laughs> are, are calling about it their own way um we're, we're we're seeing a lot with sony microsoft uh epic everyone's kind of snatching ips left and right yeah. to create like this i'm uh, i'm global... deeply cynical i'm deeply <laughs> cynical of all that like like do, do you want to you want to take input from someone who wants to stick their brand in your fucking face as to where you should spend your time in a future virtual world <laughs> no thanks Right, like I, I, I want I want the creators, like the, the the people who like this, who are creating something unique in the new medium, and I want to be able to experience that. That's what I actually think of that that I would like to be a part of as a as a network programmer, mm-hmm. to be the to write a network engine that could empower someone like this to make networked virtual metaverse experiences, whether it's performance or just some cool shit that he's done. It's freaking awesome. Now, of course, not everyone can afford $50,000 motion capture rigs and is an expert tech artist in Unreal Engine 5. But for performance, imagine if this guy did this and then rigged up Justin Bieber and did a Justin Bieber performance in a virtual space. That's interesting. I don't like Justin Bieber very much. But, you know, just as <laughs> you can an example. respect this game at least. I can respect it. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest things to, like... The main thing here is that this technology is getting better. Like we were just, uh, you can capture performances now just with the camera and without any suits or anything. Yeah. And, and that technology is slowly growing. Yeah, we- and eventually it's going to get to a place where it's, yeah. I mean, they're already doing it with face cams, right? With face, yeah, we're uh, living in the fucking future. It's yeah. 2022. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree with you. Like there is another space that is growing. Which again is in your neighborhood, where it's user-generated content, right? We're we're seeing things like with um, um, Montecore. There's of course Roblox is huge. Yeah. Uh, Minecraft kind of started this trend. I feel. Mm-hmm. 
people want to create virtual spaces and do things in it. It's a And I do agree with you. There yeah. should be a good balance of professionals <laughs> and then <laughs> beginners because yeah, like you, if I go into the space by beginners, I'm not so uh, engaged, right? But if I go yeah. in in space, you know, such as the demo right here, uh, I'm going to be sticking around and be inspired to kind of, you know, yeah. ha have a quality yeah. that I'm, I'm tuning I, I think there's room for everybody. It's a new medium and no one, no one really knows. And what really gets me is that there's, there's articles like, like you see, you look at New York Times and I think a couple of days ago, there was like, there's police in the metaverse, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, it doesn't even fucking exist yet, guys. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking calm down. It doesn't exist yet. No one even fucking agrees what it is. And I and and this constant PR bullshit of like buying land in the metaverse. This that it's it's just total hype cycle stuff. And behind all of it, behind all of this total garbage, is a deep human need to communicate and connect with people over distance in a virtual space, to create your own virtual spaces, to own and customize your space, and and, and uh, to have experiences that you can't get normally either as an overlay when you're walking around yeah. or, or as an immersive space that you're in. And I, I can't see that not happening in, in, in my lifetime in 10 or 20 years, it'll just be as normal as an iPhone. And uh, I like that part of all this. It's just that a lot of this hype cycle bullshit right now, I'm just uniquely positioned to look at it and, and see right through it. And it, it makes me mad on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a fool's, gold rush right now mm -hmm. uh, yeah. when it comes to like all these texts that that's not proven but it's kind mm -hmm. of pushed on to a lot of people at this moment and this is this is where a lot of the game developer backlash is coming from because game developers yeah. look at these like like it's not doable like, like well, that doesn't this? work dude yeah right? it doesn't work and like i was talking to my friend ray and not he was only like, does it not we, work we, but even if it could work it wouldn't actually be fun yeah that's that's the real killer because yeah. if it really was fun, people yeah. would find a way to make it work. Yeah. And that's why I'm always telling people is like when they're deep in these discussions, like, guys, we're, at some point, gamers are going to vote with their wallets, whether they want yeah. this or not. Yeah. Um, and if it feels like we're being scammed, uh, guess what? It's not going to continue being that way. It's always been like that since uh, Loot Crate's. And uh, and all those different auction houses, well, yeah. auction houses was kind of like player driven at that point, but in the same kind of similarity and the same kind of connection that we're having right now, there are elements to the metaverse, like you said, that people are wanting, right? Mm -hmm. But are largely, I feel, being they're, ignored. they're utterly orthogonal to NFTs, blockchain, and any of that stuff. Yeah. Now that doesn't. Here's here's my like here's my. Let me let me be political, right? Because okay. as as a CEO of a startup, I often have to talk with and communicate with people who mm -hmm. actually are very pro blockchain, and mm -hmm. um, I disagree. But my position with any technology is, if it has merit, I'll use it, right? So at the end of the day, I know that I'm not going to be paying someone Ethereum gas to ask what pair of fucking shoes he's wearing in a virtual space. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it, mm -hmm. right? So so when I look at I look at a lot of what these people are doing, they want to take a cut off every query, every transaction, everything done for something that doesn't even need them in the first place. And to that, I just say, fuck you. Fuck mm -hmm. you, get out of my fucking life. I don't mm -hmm. want this. I don't need this. I'm not paying you a transaction fee for something that's utterly useless. Mm -hmm. Come on. And behind the scenes, you know what will really happen anyway? The distributed tech doesn't scale. So I'll just be hitting a REST API 
centralized anyway. Asking some centralized Coinbase equivalent, maybe it's OpenSea, what, what sneaker does this guy own? And that's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. They say it's decentralized, but at the end, it just becomes Coinbase and a bunch of centralized marketplaces. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be hitting up a standard HTTP REST API to ask, what does he own? <laughs> and now it's just centralized again. It's just take your current, the current people in charge of things, swap them out for us. Mm-hmm. And to the bunch of crypto bros who want me to do that, no, no, I don't want that. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the biggest trends, and, and you probably have friends like this, who, whoever wants to kind of like do a pitch and you're, you're saying yourself, you're finding yourself in rooms of investors talking about mm-hmm. the, the trend here. It is kind of difficult to kind of go through this and try the game, uh, get a game finance now that doesn't have NFT or blockchain because this is what their friends are telling them is the next big thing. And yeah, with that argument and stuff, does it sway them from from believing? Are they walking out of the room just like, hey, I guess we absolutely not. They just want to invest because they want to. They have a the, the people have this thing, and this is something I want to correct people off that um, there's a myth that you can walk up to somebody and pitch them on your brilliant idea and change their mind, and then they'll give you all their, all of their money or their old piece money. The reality is, is that they typically have a spreadsheet of the sort of distribution that they've planned for their fund and the sort of, Mm -hmm. they're trying to work out what column you You are in. If you're in any column and they have a column for Web3 blockchain because they've heard that it's the thing and they don't want to miss out. Fear of missing out is very strong. And uh, even communicating to someone like, I believe in Metaverse, but I'm not necessarily behind the web three and blockchain stuff, that person won't invest because that column that they want to put their LPs money into. And this is the structure of their fund and why LPs have been giving money to them is because they want access to the returns from this new thing. And and I have to respect that even though I don't believe in it. Right. So, but there are VCs who hate this stuff and see right through it too. Mm -hmm. So please, if you do reach out to me, because I'd like to speak. (laughs) Glenn to ends at networknext.com because I'm sick of talking about blockchain. And this conversation for you, how how did it begin at the beginning of the pandemic? Like when did this thing start creeping into your like when I started time? seeing yeah. when I started seeing ridiculous NFT and blockchain bullshit pop up. Yeah. And I think it reached a fever pitch around about the meta, the Facebook meta thing kind of turned it into like it's real. Right, like Before that they was like a name, switch. Yeah. Okay. yeah, there was it was already nascent at the beginning of 2021, yeah. but it became like frenzied. Right, um, and then and then by the time I was out in Q3 and Q4, it was just everywhere. Right, yeah, that's what. It and like. uh, I I just think I just think everyone's going to lose their money. I think there's nothing. I think I personally think there's literally nothing there. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm a naysayer here, but I'm pretty confident that I'm right. And uh, we'll see in five years. We'll see in five years. Yeah. I agree, man. I'm, I'm. It did feel like it kind of snuck up on us. Um, and my friend puts it best. He says, like, dude, we have transactional ways to kind of exchange money. and, 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 and Show and, me the and use case I can't do with a database, my friend. Yeah. Show me, oh, oh, but it's decentralized. Everyone is like, no, but it eventually centralizes in order to become performant. And now we just have a bunch of blockchain bros running the world. Yeah. I don't want a bunch of blockchain bros running the world. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so so the, the play is transparent. It's really obvious to me to see what the actual play is behind the scenes. And, and I just don't want to be part of it. It, it is kind of shitty that it is creeping in our industry in such a big way where mm-hmm. it is affecting a lot of gate, you know, great game ideas, gate, great startup ideas in game industry um, mm-hmm. from, from moving to next step because we're not a part of this like yeah. conversation. Well, let's flip it around and I'm going to devil advocate myself. Okay. Now go back 10 years ago, everyone was saying, you remember the whole always, uh, always online thing with Adam Orth and he got, yeah. Ripped a new one because he dared suggest that if you can't connect to the before, internet, yeah. you can't play the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he got hounded and, and, and death threats and crazy shit. Right. That's crazy. And all, he, and all he said was like, well, maybe if you can't connect to the server, then, you know, now yeah. it turns out 10 years later, he's That's not wrong. Yeah. He was always right. And if there's a multiplayer game that you can play without connecting to the server, I'd like to see it yeah. because it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. And certainly not a successful one. So let's not, and, and again, I'm just going to say that I'm an old man, right? And I've heard this from investors. And they say, well, maybe it's like free-to-play. Maybe it's like microtransactions. Now, now my counter is, is that I look at it technically as, yeah. as a distributed systems expert, and I go, this doesn't scale. And if it does scale, it becomes centralized, at which point there's no technical differentiation between it and a, a freaking database, um, so I just go, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's my point of view, but that doesn't mean that people can't necessarily succeed fulfilling the core need of wanting to be in a virtual space, wanting to customize it, wanting interesting ideas that may or may not need blockchain to succeed. Um, I might just be an old guy. And it's just the next version of free-to-play and the game industry is rallying, oh, there's not real games. Just like mobile games weren't real games, Mm -hmm. right? So here's the best devil's advocate argument that I can make, that it's just like free-to-play. It's just like mobile games not being real games. Well, mobile games have more revenue than console and PC games combined, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So, but there's one thing that's different, I think, in this case, which is, Blockchain really just doesn't fucking work technically and it doesn't scale. And, and I'll, I'll die on that hill if I have to. So that's, that's my position. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when I talk to them on the developer side and the gaming side, seem to share the same sentiment. Like I haven't come yeah. across someone that doesn't have a seller incentive that is supporting this technology in games like not even yeah. a single person right and there's a lot of um, cult let's just say there's a lot of cult-like behavior it is in, yeah. in the blockchain space yeah. you know the hype we're all gonna hype. make it yeah. to the moon come on guys yeah and i and i, and I look creep- at the nfts creep- that are being bought. yeah it's NFTs creepy. that are being brought i i am the cheapest when it comes to buying anything yeah. extra uh like clothing you know i am very old school i buy I'm the default guy of every skin. I play the game because I like the game, and yeah. but I'm, I mean, I the only clothes because... you wear is a is a is a Ken costume from the late <laughs> exactly late right. 80s. This is free, you know? right? Yeah. Okay. So I like things that are free, yeah. and but I do understand, and this is where I I find the disconnect between me and others. Where like my kid, right? my my son yeah. loves buying stuff for Valorant. He loves the gun skins, and it yeah. brings him joy. And there's 
millions like him. Yeah, I got, I got nothing against transactions in the business yeah. model. And I definitely don't want to pile on the train and say like, oh my God, predatory business model, right? right? Like, like actually, let's face it, the developers have to run yeah. game servers and they have to pay for the servers. Exactly. And the friction of a paid game is demonstrated to strictly increase churn. And this is just even within North America, consider someone in South America, yeah. right? Who, who just can't afford to pay the, the, the box price that we pay in the West, yeah. right? Due, due, to, due to exchange issues and, and cost of yeah. living differences. And they're just not supposed to play games. No, right? So, yeah. so there is, there's a lot of, like, I hate the knee-jerk reactionary stuff where it's like mobile games aren't real games. Well, no, clearly they are. Yeah. Right. Free to play clearly is a very successful business model yeah. to, to reduce friction. And then it's a retention and engagement based game. And I can fully respect that. Yeah. Right. And people are obviously playing it and getting great joy out of it. Right. But I want to, I want to bring up the blockchain as yeah. something where it's kind of like, I think that's a little different. I think the actual tech behind it is just, is just not there. And, that's um, feel too. when I, yeah ask people about it is like well, so what is it exactly and yeah, yeah. no one can really explain it to me like there's it, like these, it's a fugazi <laughs> yeah hey, it is fugazi, it feels like fugazi. a lot of terminology yeah. that people can pull from yeah. and then just try no, to explain I, I, it with I, an I explanation see right, i see right through that bullshit yeah, yeah. which is why i'm immune it's to good it. to know yeah but like uh the average person who doesn't have a background in distributed programming might be wondering like yeah it, it, oh this is really interesting but but it turns out it doesn't actually scale yeah. So um, I think I think that is the the inevitable truth is that distributed systems don't scale as well as centralized systems. Yeah, it's over the end, right? So if blockchain is in any form where it's useful at scale, it will be more and more and more centralized in order to meet that, mm -hmm. which removes all of the amazing benefits touted of blockchain and distributed currencies and distributed gold and distributed wealth, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, we beat this one to death. I think this this horse is already dead. Yeah, I will. I'll ask one more question oh to kind God. of beat this horse. All right, and okay. this is kind of ending it. We, and we kind of touched it a bit. You know, at, at first I was kind of with you on the mobile market stuff, whereas like, well, this is a lot of new uh, business models that we never played around in the AAA space, right? Yeah. Uh, how does this work? And eventually, it got to a tolerable point where we we're bringing into the AAA space, you know, with this free to play with uh, microtransaction that works, that is tolerable, that finances a lot of games. Is there anything salvageable mm -hmm. from this space that you see is going to be tolerable um, for the future of game industry? I think Maybe it's most shown of it us. Dies? Yeah, I think the tech is garbage and the tech goes away. But I think the deep human yearning for owning virtual things for customizing your own appearance virtually yeah. mm -hmm. and, 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 and to want to kind of, I know I don't appreciate or, or want to encourage the speculative aspects of it in any way, but I think behind it is a, a deep interest in inhabiting a virtual space and, and, and customizing your appearance there. And I think that's a very healthy thing for the game industry because that's what we do. Right. I, I think that's the too. only thing that makes it through. I'm fine with that, man. Whatever yeah. makes me uh, be able to play with my avatar in 3D, I'm, I'm good with. <laughs> well, uh, well, Glenn, thank you. Well, we were about to hit that hour mark, and uh, I want to congratulate for surviving an hour with me. Uh, this you. is the part where uh, I hand the mic over to you to give attention, promote. How do people find you out there, man? Cool. So I'm Glenn. I'm the CEO of Network Next, and we're a five-year-old startup right now, and 
uh, we're, we're live with ESL, professional Counter-Strike players around the world, accelerating uh, all of the professional semi-pro play of CSGO tournaments for over a year now. We have tech that makes multiplayer games. Uh, multiplayer games have much less latency and packet loss when your players play your game. And this reduces churn and increases engagement and increases monetization. So if you're a game developer making a multiplayer game and you're interested in getting better network performance for your players, email me, glenn 2 ends at networknext.com. Cool. Thanks, heaps. All right. Thanks, guys. As always, you can find everything in the link description below. And Glenn, so much knowledge dropped. And thank you for... Thanks, Brandon. I'm constantly... Appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course, man. I, I'm one of the, I think, one of what most people are having trouble understanding is we're not network programmers. And we just hear this terminology and we feel like we, we're sniffing bullshit. But it's yeah. nice to have someone like you to kind of like, all right, it is. Okay, good. I, I, I would say my professional opinion is that, um, yeah, someone needs to change their diaper. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> all right. Anything that keeps me from spending money, I'm good with. Well, have a good one. See you guys. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs>